Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard. I'm talking with Darcy Luma today, and it was a fun, interesting conversation. I encourage you to get her book, but most of all, I encourage you listening to our conversation. It discusses the fundamental hurdles that she has found and uses to address to help people, as her book calls it, be thoughtfully fit. So listen to it. Think about what she says. Enjoy our conversation. And you can also go to authorblurb.com to see the links, the information on Darcy. You can get as much information as you like there, as I, at least from what she's provided me, that you can read up on her. You can find information on our other guests that we've had before and have coming, along with other episodes, more places to find this show, video or audio, and enjoy the show as much as possible. So with that being said, I appreciate you listening or watching. I hope you enjoyed the show. And remember, leave a review. Shoot me an email through authorblurb.com and let me know what you think. And tell a friend, tell people, tell everyone. Everyone needs to find that author that they love, and I hope that we can provide that and get that to them. And most of all, to you. So thank you, and I'll talk with you after the show. So I am here with Darcy. Darcy is a consultant, a coach. I mean, the list of her just goes on, but we're also talk here to talk about her book, Thoughtful Fit. And before I go too deep into it, how about, Darcy, you explain to everybody a bit about yourself, talk a bit about your book, and then we'll go into it because I was talking to you before the show. I'm very interested in discussing this with you. Oh, thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm happy to give an overview. So I'm Darcy Loma, and I have I spent the first two decades of my career in politics and campaigns and working for uh, the government and political sector. And I started to notice um, these themes and patterns that when people were not handling themselves thoughtfully, whether it was constituents or lobbyists or even at campaign rallies, there were protests, they weren't getting the results that they wanted to get. So when I switched careers and it was January of 2013, I left the political field and launched my full-time coaching and consulting business. I became um, just completely consumed with how to help people be high performing and created this model called Thoughtfully Fit, which is what is the basis for the book that I wrote, Thoughtfully Fit, your training plan for life and business success. All right. Well, that sounds interesting. And then they're looking at just the overviews and everything I saw about your book. It looks like it starts off or there's a portion of it that talks about the six hurdles, the six things that you have to address to be able to move forward. And the reviews of the book looks amazing with everything about people finding focus, finding direction, finding what they need to move forward. Can you explain a bit about those hurdles and then we can expand on those? Yeah, for sure. That's when when I started um, coaching full time and the theme that I had noticed when I was working in politics just continued that clients would come in and they had obstacles, they had hurdles that were getting in the way of them being successful and getting the results they wanted. And so we spent five years doing a deep dive and researching and categorizing every problem that our clients brought in to our coaching uh, and team retreats. Um, 
or any kind of engagement we we're consulting we we're doing with them. And we found that no matter what um, industry the person was in, what level they were at, if they were an executive or C-suite or manager or an individual contributor, what their age or gender was, that they all had some version of these six hurdles that would get in the way of them being high performing. And when they would address the hurdles and train and practice to be able to clear them more effectively, they got better results. And Thoughtfully Fit is indeed a metaphor for, I've been an athlete my whole life, and I know when I try to do a triathlon and I have not trained or practiced, it's miserable. <laughs> I do not perform well. Right. And it's the same way with your life and with your relationships. So I don't know if you'd like me, Eric, to give a high level overview of the six hurdles, um, or if you have somewhere else you want to go. This is all about you and what you think is going to help people understand your book better so they can understand if it's going to help them. So go, please give a view of what you think is going to help people understand and make them understand why they need to get your book. Yeah, so in the book, I outline the, the six hurdles and I go pretty deep into giving some case studies and then also some strategies on how you can clear these hurdles. What can you do immediately to train and practice for them? And I also layer on my story, which I'm happy to get into, of mm -hmm. how this model helped me. So there are three hurdles that are internal, where we get in our own way. And then there right. are three hurdles that are external, where we have challenges and relationships with other people. So the internal hurdles, the first one is, there's so much to do, I can't even think. And, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> um, this is all about being able to set clear boundaries, to say no, to have some time to be innovative and strategic and to quiet the mind. And so that hurdle aligns with the thoughtfully fit practice of stillness. Because just like if you are a peak performing athlete, you need rest days and mm -hmm. you need time to let your muscles recover and build stronger. In the same way, if you want to have peak performance personally and professionally, you need to have stillness and time to quiet the mind. Right. Which but makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, I mean... So let, let's focus on that for a moment then. So with that, I mean, like you said, you're an athlete, you've done tri, tri marathons and you've done it even with, I think on your um, Amazon page or pro, your website, I can't remember which, you did it with two very energetic teenagers, which I have two kids myself and I can tell you, I, and they're little, the oldest is four. And I know right now that's a lot of work is just dealing with kids. And I know plenty of people with teenagers who feel like they're being pulled in all sorts of directions just doing that. So I imagine you're bringing that into your personal life as long as well as your professional life. What is just like a hint or something? What is a starting position to get into that settled mindset? Because I know like my life right now is consistent. Go, go, go. So it's a never ending event. Yes. I mean, anybody who is a parent knows, I mean, even if you're not a parent, life is full. You work, right. you try to, you know, you might volunteer, you might try to exercise, right? Do good in the world. And then you layer on to it, kids, game over. So, <laughs> right. and especially if you have two that are under four and under, I mean, oh, Eric, you are in the <laughs> thick of it. So to me, one of the things that is so critical and where we get in trouble is with our own inner trash talk. Uh, so 
being able to give yourself permission to say no, to set clear boundaries, to say right now, you know, you, maybe you get an invitation, Eric, say, uh, you know, somebody reaches out and says, you've been on this board for a number of years and you're fantastic. We'd love to invite you to take over as the fundraising chairperson. The first meeting is next Friday. The last person had to resign quickly. Would you do that? And in that moment, you know, there's, there's a, a, a number of thoughts that go through our head. One might be like, oh, I can't say no. If I say no, they won't like me. Um, and, or, um, oh, it's my time. I've been on the board, but I haven't contributed enough. And these, these thoughts determine our action. And so right. in a moment like that, being able to pause and think, okay, where am I at with my life? I've got two young little kids. I've got a podcast. I have a business I'm trying to produce. That trash talk actually is sabotaging me. It's not serving me. I'm going to give a compassionate no, because right now I need to have more stillness. I need to have some space and time. So that's what I find it oftentimes gets in the way of us being able to not do everything for everybody. Right. And I know a big problem that a lot of people tend to have, and I heard you mention it, is the, oh, they're not going to like me if I say no. And what do you... And forgiving me personally, I've I've grown up out in the country in the farmlands where you were raised, there's going to be people that don't like you. It seems nowadays a lot of people are focused about what do other people think about me? Do you address that issue too? Or because that's a big one, in, at least from how I see it. It is. It's huge. And that's where you can say no thoughtfully. So if you look up thoughtful in the, in the dictionary, there's two definitions. There's um, being thoughtful and internal thoughtfulness of reflecting and thinking through something fully to give a thoughtful response. And then there's an external definition where you're thoughtful, you're compassionate, you're looking at how someone else is going to receive something. So saying no, you can do that in a thoughtfully fit way and not shut down the relationship or have them be like, well, who does he think he is? He's too busy for us. He can't give, you know, his time. <laughs> right. And sometimes it might even be saying, um, if saying no is hard, and I know for a lot of the people that I work with, that's hard for exactly the reasons you're identifying. Um, what will they think of me? Will they not like me? This is something I should do. We're shooting on ourselves all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but if we don't set the boundaries, our time will be given away and everybody else will fill it in. So you can say, not yet, not this, or not me. So you get that invitation and you say, oh, I love this board. I am, I, I'm, I'm committed to it. I have two little kids, so I can't say yes to an, a role like this taking on the fundraising chair yet. Come back in about five years when the kids are in school and they can dress themselves, right? <laughs> right. You might say, not me. Like, oh, this is a great opportunity. I'm overwhelmed right now. I'm not in a space where I can do this. However, I just was having breakfast with somebody a couple of weeks ago who said they're looking for some more volunteer opportunities and servant leadership. If you'd like, I'm happy to make a connection and introduction. Or you can say, not this. Oh my gosh, thank you for thinking of me for this leadership role. I'm, I'm honored, I'm touched. I can't say yes to this. However, I am happy to write a check and make a donation because I, I want to get the fundraising off to a great start and I know how important this is. Well, that sounds great. So let's move on to the next step then. And can you go in a bit about that? Because I have, I hate to say it, I don't remember all six off the top of my head. 
<laughs> Nor should you, of course. Uh, so the second hurdle is um, people come into coaching and saying, oh, Darcy, I don't always handle myself the way I'd like. And so whether that means, you know, they're stuck in traffic, late for a meeting, taking a call, irritated, and they come barreling in to the meeting saying, oh, did you get stuck? Did you see that accident? And they're turning off their phone and, and, and don't even realize in the moment the impact until later. And I just had one client say this, like, oh, Darcy, it was a missed opportunity. I wish I had paused before I walked through the, uh, that door to that meeting to think, how do I want to show up? so that I could then act thoughtfully and just let go of that smile, self-manage and, and say, hey, good morning, everybody. It's great to be here. Sorry, I'm a couple minutes late. The traffic was horrible. <laughs> that is the thoughtfully fit practice of strength, which is about being able to consciously choose how you show up in any situation. And it's strength because sometimes that requires a heavy lift to be able to self-manage the anger, the tension, whatever it is, that if you aren't self-managing, you're going to have this knee-jerk reaction or this unconscious autopilot reaction that is not going to get you good results. Right. So, sorry, I'm trying to pull up so I can actually see the six charts. But so let's go. So basically, I guess I'm understanding this like... Can you see that on yours or is it cut off because of how we are? Yeah, it's kind of cut off to the side. So Yeah, okay. But the... um. And what I can do is in the show notes, I can add a image as well for people to see it. So they'll have access to that. So when they're looking at it, but so going into a meeting, like for an example, I was at a meeting yesterday and my nine to five job, I guess you could call it is I design restaurants. I was dealing with a, with a client where you have people of many areas and they were all just very consumed with everything else outside of the meeting while trying to deal with the meeting. So how I'm understanding just the overview of that topic is, is they're not thinking about what's making the meeting more efficient, what's making it go faster, what's opportunities they can gain from it, but they're just looking at, okay, I have to be here. I have to get this done. How else other outside of meetings do you see that being effective for people that might be reading your book that's not looking at fully professional because I know like I do read a lot of self-help books, motivational books, things like that, because I enjoy learning about the mindsets of people and how to improve my own thinking. So in a personal world, where do you see that being a beneficial aspect? Um, yeah, great question. I'll give you an example. I had a, a client recently, Dan came in and he said, um, oh my God, Dorsey, last night, um, I, I got home, drove, pulled into the garage, opened the door, tripped over the backpacks and the shoes. I was late. I had to drop off the kids at soccer practice, practice in order to get to the meeting that I was going to at church. And he said, I just, oh, I immediately was annoyed. And I look over and my spouse and the kids are on their phones on the couch. Dinner hasn't been started. And I just started spewing all this negativity. That's an example mm -hmm. in a personal life where when you don't have the strength to, to consciously choose how you're showing up. And he said, this is a pattern. And what I'm noticing, Darcy, is that when I do that, everybody else now is on edge. And then, you know, I'm blaming them and they're getting defensive. And now we've got this really toxic environment and it just downward spirals from there. Yeah. And so that's another example on the personal front where, again, and I keep going back to the to the core of the model 
regardless of what hurdle you have, there's these three steps. You pause and then think and then act. And so that right. was a moment where, you know, Dan, he started to practice and train before he opened that door in the, through the garage to pause and to think, how do I want to show up? <laughs> and to ask himself some thoughtful questions, right? Okay, what's the energy I want to bring? If I am frustrated immediately, how do I want to self-manage that so that I can connect with my family who I love and not immediately create this environment where everybody <laughs> is just tense and frustrated? And then he would walk through and act thoughtfully. He'd still trip over the, the shoes in the back past me. He said, I'd smile and say, hey, guys, how was your day? Um, we got to get going. We got to get dinner because we got it right. And he just changed his energy. And that ta- that's a heavy lift to be oh, able yeah. to help manage those feelings. Oh, yeah. Trust me. I'm like I said, with two little kids, it there's a lot of things. Any kids dealing with other people, it's definitely when you're dealing with somebody else that you don't have the control of what they're doing and you're trying to get your own stuff figured out or done. So yeah, I can see that. So that makes perfect sense to me. What about the third hurdle? The third, it's the third internal hurdle. Yep. Third internal hurdle. Great, Erica. That clients come in feeling stuck, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Stuck in a job that's no longer fulfilling, stuck in a relationship, stuck in a project that they don't know how to move forward. People get stuck and and, and mm-hmm. chances are partially they get stuck because we're doing big, important things. If you never got stuck, you might be bored. So right. that's the thoughtfully fit practice of endurance. And endurance is about being able to overcome those obstacles to have that growth mindset to continue to move forward, to figure out how to get unstuck instead of just stalling out and maybe quitting altogether. Right. And I can see a lot of people having that same situation where, I mean, a lot of people that I've heard of lately, it's they get going, they get going. And as soon as they hit that first wall, it's like, do I have the effort to get over it? Do I have the strength? Do I have the mentality? So what do you what do you talk about in general about how to address that issue? I mean, because that's another big issue that I know a lot of people, especially the younger generation tends to have is they hit that wall and it's okay. I, I failed. That's it. Yep. So there's a lot of strategies that I outline in the book. I'll just give one right now because of the, the time that we have for this conversation. So right. if there's a, a strategy, if you can embrace a growth mindset, so, so a fixed mindset is if I do this, I'm going to fail. And if I fail, I'm going to look stupid and I don't want to look stupid. Right. And so it might be like, I'm not good at public speaking. So I'm not going to do it because I don't, I'm not good at it. And I'm going to look stupid or I'm not a runner or I'm not good at math. Whatever it is that that mindset where you get stuck mm-hmm. with the growth mindset, you see failure as necessary to peak performance. And so right. you add the word yet. I'm not a good public speaker yet, but I can be if I commit to it. And as a matter of fact, the faster I commit and the faster I fail, the more faster I learn and the better I get. I'm not good at math yet. I'm not a runner yet. But if I choose to be, I can. And it might be just saying, I'm going to go jog four blocks and walk home. And the next day, jog six blocks and walk home. So it's all about reframing that mindset. So instead of shutting down and seeing failure as an obstacle, you embrace it. Sounds good. And it kind of reminds me a little bit about the old Thomas Edison quote when he was asked about all the failures on a light bulb. He said, 
I didn't fail. I found 90, however many times he didn't do it. Yeah. I found that many ways not to make a light bulb until I found the one way to do it. Great, great example. So that's that sounds fantastic. Let's start on the first external. Yep, and, and I'll just highlight, Eric, that that's why that one's internal, because that requires a great deal of, of grit and that mindset that, okay, that number 463 didn't work. Great. I just, you know, that that takes a great deal of endurance to not quit, but to see that as progress. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of dad add on to it. Writing a book is a similar thing where I know a lot of people start, they have three chapters, they have two chapters, they have a couple chapters, either in a professional book, a fiction book, any type of book, they start writing and they're like, well, no one's going to want to read this, or I don't know really what to do. And they just, they put it in a shelf and they're like, I'll get back to it later. And they never do out of fear of, they're afraid people's not going to like it. So as I always say, everyone has a story professionally made up, whatever it is to tell, you just have to keep pushing through because it is an effort to write a book. Even I assume you had to do a lot of work, especially in your side of it as a nonfiction book to be able to figure all the details out, make sure all the facts are in line. When I write a book, if I accidentally miss a day or something, or if I make something up, it's kind of the story. You, you have to put the actual facts in. So I can see that hurdle jumping in on that fact of you writing that book as well. Did you come up to that writing the book or? Oh my gosh. So often it's amazing that I even published. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yes. The process of writing a book. Yo, my gosh, are there hurdles and so many, I mean, external, right? Trying to find an agent, try to get a publisher. I mean, those are huge, huge external hurdles, but then also internally that mindset of, is this any good? What am I thinking? What, how, what, what, right, right? And and sort of overcoming mm -hmm. all those trash talkers, that was hard. Oh, and I imagine so. So with that, let's move on to the external then. Yeah. And which first external do you want to address? So first external is I'd be fine if only you were different. So clients would come in and say, okay, Darcy, how do I get my boss to change? How do I get my spouse to just put the dishes in the dishwasher or to just talk to me when he's upset instead of making me read his mind, whatever it might be. If somebody else would change, I could be happier. And I don't disagree. That's <laughs> of course is the case. But the hurdle is the fact that we can't change other people. And so the sooner you can recognize that um, spending energy and time being angry that somebody isn't the way you think they should be, or, mm -hmm. or furthermore, spending time and energy trying to figure out how to get them to change to be the way you think they should be is exhausting and not effective. So this right. lines with the Thought Play Fit practice of flexibility, which is about stretching to accept others for who they are just as they are. I understand. And I know like one of my personal things that I was told when I was younger by one of my favorite bosses was he told me, I'm going to upset you quite a bit. Your job is to make sure that you don't show that you're upset, figure out how to deal with it, and then talk to me later about what I did to upset you. So he did want me to talk to him about what bothered me, but not to let it become a scene and 
control my mind way of thinking. And one of the tricks he taught me is, is no matter how upset I am, no matter how bad my day's going, when somebody asks you, how are you doing today? I'm alive and breathing. It's a good day. <laughs> Always start off with why it's a good day. Usually I found that just doing that, even if my day started off stepping in a water puddle, flat tire, whatever it was, I'm alive and breathing. What more can I want? Oh. And I've found so many people that has told me over the years, me saying that every day tend to give them kind of a better day because they realize, you know, he's right. I could be dead. I'm alive yeah. and breathing. It's a good day. That's right. You know? And it's always a so choice. You to, so you have to focus on your own happiness first instead of other people. So that external hurdle has to be addressed in yourself instead of worrying about others. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Just trying to make sure I understand it as well, because like yeah. I said, I want to understand this as much as I can. And then what is the next external hurdle that we have to face? Yeah. So the fifth hurdle is uh, relationships that don't work. So clients would come in and say, okay, I got to figure out how this, my relationship with my neighbor, uh, with my colleague, with a client, that the relationship is out of balance. And that maybe um, you realize um, that you're always over-functioning on the team and that you're getting resentful. And somebody else is like, oh, well, Eric will do the work, then let's let him. So this is the thoughtfully fit practice of balance. And it's about being able to balance what do you want and need with what someone else wants and needs. So you can find the win-win and achieve alignment in that relationship instead of either being on the end of, of win-lose, like I'm going to get my way and you're you're sort of a bully and, and it might, you might get your way in the short term. You might win right. in the immediate, but it doesn't pay off in the long term. Or maybe you're on the end of the spectrum. Your personality is such saying, oh, I don't, I'm not going to say anything. It's not a big deal. I'll just, I'll just make do. I know that, I know that she didn't mean it. And you lose always and let the other person win. That also is not a sustainable model for a balanced, healthy relationship. You start to get resentful and it shows mm -hmm. up. Oh, yeah. And I can see that. So what do you suggest people do to face that challenge? Well, so we have uh, one of the strategies we outline in the book are the three C's. So you have to have the courage to say, here's, here's how I see it. Here's what I want. Here's what I need to be able to directly state your needs and wants. Number two is say that courageous direct message with compassion so somebody else can hear it, right? You don't come in out of the mm -hmm. gate. That's not working for me. You have maybe a soft startup saying, hey, so Eric, I, I, I noticed that I'm feeling a little bit frustrated and I wanted to share with you what's not working for me. Um, is that okay? Is this a good time? And then the third C is curiosity to be able to get curious. So now I've said with courage, here's here's what I need. Here's what's not working for me. What do you need and what's not working for you? And how do you see it? So that you can truly find that win-win and that balance of the uh, relationship and both people. All right. And that sounds good and sounds quite interesting. So three different C's that we have to face to be able to address that issue. Because in any professional life, that is always going to happen where, I mean, I've heard it from more people than I count and they're talking to me over beer saying this person did this or this person stole my idea, all these different things that it sounds like that would be a very effective tool to use to address those issues. So let's move to the sixth 
hurdle. Yeah. And so the final. Just, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. Go ahead. Let's go to the final step. Okay, cool. So the, the sixth hurdle is uh, reacting poorly when blindsided. And um, this is the thoughtfully fit practice of agility, which is being able, instead of reacting on autopilot or having this knee-jerk reaction, somebody calls you out in a board meeting and you get defensive and, and you know, uh, lash out, it's being able to respond thoughtfully, even when you're blindsided. So this is like, I don't know, did, did you ever play dodgeball when you were in elementary school, Eric? <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I grew up in the 90s. So yeah, I, I remember those orange board balls just flowing. Yeah. Did you like it? Actually, I did. I had oh, a lot of fun. <laughs> so I, I hated was one it. Of... <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I was one of those kids that would catch the balls and throw them back. That was probably, I'll be honest with you, I am not a very athletic person. In high school, I wrestled. I was a horrible wrestler. Dodgeball, I think, was the only sport that I played that I was actually decent at. <laughs> Other than that, my athletic skills just weren't there. Well, it's it's a it's a great metaphor. I I did not like dodgeball. It's like these <laughs> balls are coming, they're being whipped at you from all different directions. You don't know when they're coming or how hard they're coming, right? And 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 it takes a lot of agility. And and so right. that is when 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 you are caught off guard or somebody sends you an email and, and they replied all to everybody and they're criticizing you. In that moment, having agility is being able to pause and take a breath and think, okay, how do I want to show up? I'm feeling defensive. I'm feeling attacked. I'm feeling humiliated. I could attack back. I could stonewall. I could, right? There's all sorts of knee-jerk automatic reactions we have. Mm -hmm. But what would be the most thoughtful way that I can respond here that's going to change the trajectory of this conversation from the, 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 the way it's going? And then you act thoughtfully. And maybe you pick up the phone and say, hey, I just saw your email and I noticed that I got a little triggered and I, it, it, it seemed like it was a, um, you know, a little out of line for, for what our relationship is, that you're calling me out in front of everybody. I wanted to check in and, and see how it's going. That takes agility to be able to respond right. thoughtfully when you're blind. Oh, yeah, I can imagine that, too, because, like you said, in a professional world and even a, per a personal life, you have a lot of different things coming at you. Like you said, the dodgeball metaphor, there's multiple people throwing those balls at you. So, And if you're the only one on the line, everyone's trying to just unload onto you, so you have to figure out how to address that. How do you figure the best way to address it professionally and possibly even personally? The first step always is to, in that moment, is to raise your awareness. You have to hit the pause button. That's what gets you off of autopilot to having that knee-jerk, automatic, unconscious reaction. And so one of the things that I um, have trained myself to do, and I'll, and I'll, I'll just teach you and, and your fans, is if you put mm -hmm. out your, your left hand and make an L shape out of it. Kind of like, you know, I don't know if you've ever had kids do the loser. So mm -hmm. put out your left hand and make an L shape and then take your other hand. Go ahead and do this with me. Um, I was gonna say my, my camera is a little higher than you can see my hands, but my hands are up. Okay, perfect. So then take your other hand and your thumb and forefinger and squeeze yep. between 
the thumb and forefinger on your left hand. So this has a couple benefits. One, it's a reflexology point. So it's going to immediately start to calm down your nervous system. Two, mm -hmm. it's a, it's, I call this the pause pinch. So if you're, if you're being attacked and you're, you're blindsided, you can do this uh, like you're doing it on your lap. Right. You can do it so under you the can table. See. Yep, you can <laughs> do it behind your, your back. Nobody has to know you're doing it. And it can serve as a structure and a reminder. Pause, breathe, take a breath. Don't react. Give yourself just that, that beat. Count to three so that you can set yourself up to think about how you want to respond thoughtfully. All right. So basically, you're creating a physical pressure because I believe there's a pressure point there in that area where it's directing your focus off of the immediate emotional pain that you might be feeling and putting it to a physical discomfort. All right. Makes sense. So uh, I think that's how I'm getting it. Right. Exactly. And it's a structure. So then when, when you do that, it's then that, that way to, and I've trained myself as soon as I do that, I calm, my body calms down. It's like, okay, take a breath. Don't react. <laughs> All right. And is there any other ish, any other, I'm trying to think of the right terms to use, not hurdles, but advice, any other things that people should know about that's in the book that they should be looking to try to find to help them address other topics outside of those six hurdles? So the, the six hurdles are what are the, the core main obstacles that I see get in the way of being high performing after I've, I've coached thousands and thousands of hours, 500 clients, uh, organizations, um, and then at the core of the model. So just like if you're physically fit, whether you're playing basketball or going cross country skiing, or just wanting to put your own, your own suitcase up on the overhead bin in the airplane, if you right. have a strong core, every movement's easier and you're less likely to get injured. In the same way, Thoughtfully Fit has that, that core, those three simple steps that we talked about. So if people are listening and they're like, oh my God, there's so much, that can be an immediately takeaway that, that no matter what hurdle you find yourself in, whatever challenge, obstacle, you can practice engaging your core. Pause, think, and then act. And that, the cool thing is the more you do it, the easier it gets. So just like if you want to build your, your physical core, you're not going to do 20 sit-ups once a month and have as right. a skill. You need to do it consistently. Same thing mm -hmm. with your thought play fit core is there's multiple times throughout the day. I mean, as a matter of fact, I'll give a, a core workout challenge right now to anybody who's listening or watching. As soon as you're done, look for opportunities to engage your core. So whether that means you're, you're pulling into Target and somebody takes the spot from you, whether it means you get a phone call and somebody says, why did you do that, Eric? Whatever it is, the, uh, the, the world will give you lots of opportunities to take a moment and pause, mm -hmm. take a breath, and then think and ask yourself some thoughtful questions. How do I want to show up right now? What do I control? What choices do I have? And then act thoughtfully. All right. So the six hurdles are things that the core that you learn about the core helps you address all six hurdles. And then the core is basically how you can, or the hurdles discuss how to use that core training to face those different hurdles. Is that correct? Right. So for each of the hurdles that I outlined in the book that we just went through, stillness, strength, right. endurance, flexibility, balance, agility, we've got specific strategies. 
for that specific hurdle, a training plan. And no matter what the hurdle is, the core is going to be a workout that's going to help you with any challenge, any obstacle, any hurdle that comes your way. Well, that sounds like a great thing. And people should definitely try to take up your challenge and use those features. What we discussed in this conversation to be able to try to have a little bit better life. And if you want to improve your professional and your personal life, it sounds like Thoughtfully Fit would be a fantastic book to get and read. Well, we- thank you. And and I'll, I'll if I can just share one yeah. more one more piece. The, the model, after five years of research, thousands of hours, the model officially came to life in March of 2016. Um, and I was super excited to put it out into the world. I hired a strategic planning consultant and a marketing firm, and we were going to you know put the write the book. And then five days later, I got a phone call from my neighbor. And she said, Darcy, what is going on at your house? I'm like, I, I'm not home. Why? I, 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 I don't know. And she said, there's uh, 40 or 50 police cars and a SWAT team with guns surrounding oh, your geez. house. Yeah. And they just took John out barefoot in handcuffs. He, he wouldn't look at us. And they took him away in the squad car. And I'm like, my husband? What are you talking about? That became the biggest nightmare of my life, Eric, when I found out later that my husband of 10 years, the next day was our 10-year wedding anniversary. Uh, He was arrested for sexual assault of a minor he had met online. He was taken away and ultimately sentenced to 10 years in, in prison. And what's crazy is the charges were so severe that I had to hire my own attorney. And my attorney said, Darcy, don't talk about this to anybody. This is severe. We don't, we got to figure out if you're a suspect. I'm like, what? What? Don't talk to anybody. And so I became ground zero to test drive thoughtfully bit in my own life. I had all of these obstacles, right? Overwhelmed, not thinking straightly, uh, relationships out of balance, not handling myself thoughtfully. I had all of these hurdles. And so I became ground zero to test drive thoughtfully fit. And it's not the best go-to-market strategy, I'm going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) And so the book outlines how did I use these strategies in my own life when everything fell apart? I mean, I can definitely imagine anger, just so many different emotions. So I can see how those would definitely be hard to deal with. So if this process helped you deal with that, I know... Personally, I would be think my first thought would be, how can I kill the bastard? So, and I, I imagine with you nodding your head and your facial expressions, that was probably your first thought too. Oh, the thoughts then, were, oh my God, it was overwhelming. Yeah. So with that being said, yeah, that's definitely a challenge to face and deal with. And I can't imagine personally everything you had to go through to figure out how to address it. And then also deal with the external factors as well. Right. And, and you know, you, you, you talk about being an author. This was not the book I was going to write. I was going to write about Thoughtfully Fit, this leadership model and how to have peak performance and how to achieve success. And the, 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 consult, the book consultants I, I um, hired to help me write the book proposal, right, to try to pitch it. Um, right. I said, gosh, like in 10 years, I want to use the same process to write a memoir about my life because this model helped me to, to, to figure out how to deal with all of these hurdles that were coming at me. Talk about dodgeballs, right? They, I was getting hit every <laughs> really? day. 
and they looked at each other and then they looked at me and they're like, Darcy, that is this book. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not this book. And they said, yeah, you need to tell that story. If you are on the front lines and you, people need to hear how this works in real life. So that took like a couple years of therapy for me to get to the place where I can actually talk about this because I was hiding. I was in shame and embarrassed and angry. Um, so I just share that because I know you have a lot of authors who are who are watching and listening. And to me, it's a better book because I am more vulnerable. And that right. was a big obstacle I had to even clear to be able to be okay sharing so openly. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I can't even imagine. And uh, with that, I do appreciate it. I mean, I don't know how else to end this without saying being able to use your techniques to get over something like that. And increase your personal life to be a better off that's an amazing step to feat that it can do thank you darcy thank you so much for being here i appreciate it where can people find you if they want to reach out to you you have a profile on authorblurb.com that has everything for people to contact you that i have where do you prefer them to find you? So yeah, all the social media platforms and my website is DarcyLoma.com. There's lots of blogs and articles and videos and free content there. I also want to just share that if anybody's listening and maybe you're driving and you're like, gosh, I wish I, I, I wish I could get all of those hurdles. If you want to find out what's your biggest hurdle, you can go to thoughtfullyfit.com and there's a two or three minute quiz free. You can take the quiz mm -hmm. and it'll tell you what's your biggest hurdle and it'll give you a strategy and a core workout to start to train to overcome that hurdle immediately. And I noticed that too. And I was going to bring it up too. If anyone goes to your website, there's a quick quiz that people can take. I personally am going to probably do it later this evening or later today myself. It's just, I have a whole schedule, like you said, facing those hurdles, figuring out time. So I will With look that, forward to hearing what your results are. <laughs> <laughs> I will let you know. So with that being said, thank you very much. Everybody needs to get this book, Thoughtfully Fit, and find what your hurdle is, address it, strengthen your core, and live a better life. Darcy, I'm going to end the recording, which means it's the end of the conversation for everybody else to hear us. Thank you again. And then you and I will talk for a few moments afterwards. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Thanks. So that was my conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking with Darcy very much. It was very informative. I was very surprised by the things she said. And I feel I learned an awful lot. I hope you did too. I also hope you go out and buy her book and enjoy it. Share it. Just like I hope you share with your friends and the people you know about this show. Of course, I'm going to ask you to rate and review. I mean, what kind of host would I not be to not ask that? Most of all, I hope you try to listen to the show, find that author that you enjoy, and try to share people, the authors you find here, because the more you share about the show, the authors, and everything down the line, the better off and the more I do to accomplish my goal of connecting authors to you, the readers. So thank you. Please remember, go to authorblurb.com. Of course, that is where you find the profiles. Find the podcast, find where you can listen to them on your favorite streaming services, find where you can watch the videos. I try to give you as much as I can and even some of the guests write articles for you to read on that website. So as I always say, it's all about connecting the authors and the readers 
so that you guys can be able to connect and make a good, a good, I guess, connection. So thank you again. Have a good day. And until next week, thank you.